And so we've had a great six-week series. And today, here's the topic. We're going to look at the book of Ezekiel. And the topic we're looking at today is Ezekiel and the dry bones. Now, this just happened to be a coincidence that this passage about these dry bones that we're going to be reading about fell on Halloween. I would love to say us as men that when we were scheduling this as pastors, we kind of planned this, but it is completely coincidental that on Halloween, we're going to be talking about a message about skeletons and bones. But I, before we jump into it, I want to ask you this question, a few questions. You know, how would you define your relationship with God right now? Would you say that you are close to God, or would you say that you're sitting in these seats here today and you're far from God? You know, life has all these challenging seasons, different seasons, and there's these ebbs and flows in relationships. And sometimes we're like pursuing God, that we're thirsting to hear from God and see God, but then there's times that we're fleeing from God in the opposite direction. So if that is you, I, I want you to be encouraged today that this message is for you if you are far from God. But that's not the only way we're far from God. So many people think they're not good enough for God, meaning they look at all these rebellious seasons in their life, and they say, I've done too much that I don't even think God wants to be in a relationship with me. And if that's you, then I'm glad you're here because this message is for you as well. And I also want to say, if you're just here trying to seek God, you're just trying to understand details, like you're in your early stages of just figuring out who God is, what does it say about God in the Bible? I need to to just learn so much. Again, we're glad you're here. We want to lock arms and walk with you, and we want to express the details and help you in your faith journey of discovering who God is. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a lot of passage up front. But the good news is, if you look at the slide deck, the teaching deck, within the first five minutes, we'll be halfway through. So that, that's encouraging. But we are going to be reading in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 14, and then we're going to look at three topics, three points about how we can apply and understand this awesome story about Ezekiel and the dry bones. So Ezekiel is a prophet from God. God has come to give him a message to deliver to the nation of Israel, the Israelites, and we're going to pick up and see what God's message is through Ezekiel. So starting in chapter 37, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this prophetic message. Just as he told me, Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Here's this vision that God is giving Ezekiel. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. 
Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. And that is a great visual, a great story in Scripture of God's power, how he can bring life to death. And that's really what we're going to be looking at here in this passage as we look at three points. And so here's the first point. God's heart for his people is renewal, not destruction. That is God's heart for his people. That is God's heart for the Israelites. That is God's heart for us. It's renewal, not destruction. So we just read that passage about how God renewed the people of Israel. But to understand the need for that, we need to go back and look at the first 36 chapters of Ezekiel. Because what you're going to see in the first 36 chapters of Ezekiel is a lot of destruction, but it's not caused by God. But really what's happening here is people were fleeing. The Israelites were fleeing from God. So we're going to look at this passage in Ezekiel chapter 2 that is sharing about God's plan of delivering this message to Ezekiel, but then also the problem that Israel was facing, and here it is. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, this is back in chapter 2, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are stubborn and hard-hearted people, but I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So right here we see that God has a plan, and it's going to be restoration, that he's going to do a spiritual renewal that's what we just read about in chapter 37, one, verses 1 through 14. But the reason why the spiritual renewal was needed is because the Israelites were fleeing from God. Listen to this, how, how they are being defined in their relationship, that they are rebellious, that they are stubborn, that they are hard-hearted people. Now, the important thing I learned on reading scripture is that we are the Israelites. So when God is sending this message thousands of years ago to the Israelites, it's important that this applies to us here today. And so I asked you that question, if you feel that you are far from God, that you have fleed from God, look, it's been a difficult last couple of years. A lot of people have been disconnected, why? They're out of their normal routine. Things changed. We're not supposed to gather in large groups. All that's been going on. Many people have become more disconnected. And if that's you, you need to hear this. You matter to God. People matter to God. It is an awesome thing when we read scripture 
of yes, we can cause destruction with the bad decisions that we make that have consequences. And that's what's happening to Israel at this time, right here. The Babylonians have come into the nation of Israel and they're taking over. And the Israel nation has been divided into two sections, the northern and southern, and they are barely existing. But it's because they have fleed from God. And now this pagan worshiping God nation comes in, the Babylonians, and they are taking over. And there's this need that they have. And it says this has been going on for generations. You know, when we come to faith, we become children of God. And we have God the Father who is the perfect Father with unfailing, unconditional, perfect love. And whatever we do, it's not like God's going to love us more or any less because of God's love. God's love is constant and he is love. It is impossible for God not to love us. But when we make bad decisions in life, there's consequences to those decisions. And we see that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, they are in a place of turmoil. They are in a place of chaos. Many are feeling destruction. And God says, I'm gonna put a plan together to restore them. Why? Because the Israelites mattered to God. If you are here far from God, know that God's heart breaks for you in that same way. He loves you. And the fact that you are not close and in close relationship, that breaks God's heart. If you are here feeling like you've done too much, too much for God to even love me, no, that's not true. He loves you regardless of what you've done. And he wants to restore you. He wants to revive you. We see more of the purpose of God's plan in this. In Ezekiel 36 now, it says, I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations, talking about the people of Israel. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. There's the fulfillment again of God's restoration process and his plan for his people. But it's important to understand, it's the children of God that carries on God's name from generation to generation. And so there's this responsibility as followers of Christ that we carry on God's name. And God's name should be encouraging, that we should be pointing people to Jesus. But the Israelites brought shame among his name because they were fleeing from God. They were worshiping false idols, false gods. And they brought shame to his name. And he says, I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. This is fulfillment of, of, of God's purpose of what he is going to do. And so if you are here and you answered that question, yes, I am far from God, what God is offering you and all of us is a fresh start, a re spiritual renewal. And if you're answering yes, then I want that. Lord, I want to be renewed. I want to be close to you, God. I'm tired of being on the throne of my own life. I'm tired of being distant from you, Lord. I want to be close to you. What do I need to do? What do I need to do in order for that to happen? And that's point number two. Your part in spiritual renewal is to admit you have a 
problem. Now, this just isn't popular in our culture today. Matter of fact, it's moving in a direction that our culture is teaching us that there's no problem within us. That you can go live your life however you want to live your life. Don't let anyone tell you how to live your life, but there is nothing wrong with you. Well, one of the things when I first started, I came to faith and I started reading scripture, and yeah, I started in Genesis and then I got about halfway through that book and jumped to the New Testament. I'm just being open here. But one thing I appreciated is that when I was reading about the people in scripture, they're not perfect people. Started with Adam and Eve, and I was like, okay, there's when the, the fall, the brokenness, and then their kids outdid their mom and dad. And just every generation, it's filled with the truth about us, that we're not perfect, that we need a savior because we have a problem. And if you wanna be renewed, or if you wanna enter into a relationship with Jesus, our part in all of this is to acknowledge the truth about us that we're not perfect people, that we're sinners. We are all sinners. Every single one of us, scripture is very clear, all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And God says, the, the church word is we need to confess that. If you wanna be renewed, you have to recognize that you are a sinner, that you are not perfect, that you're gonna make mistakes. And we have to admit that, we see that in this passage. The only time the bones have anything to do other than just exist in this field is right here. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, the bones are speaking here. Again, this is a vision given to Ezekiel. This is what the bones are saying. We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Summarize that. The bones are saying, we screwed up. We fleed from God. We made a mistake. That's what the bones are communicating here. And that's our part. Now, it might seem easy, but it's not easy. How easy is it for us to admit, you know, I was wrong, you were right. That's what my marriage looks like. I was wrong, honey, you were right. That is really hard to do. Why, because we don't wanna be wrong. But this first point of understanding this is so important, whether you're coming to faith or saying, God, please work in my heart. It's coming and admitting our part. And I've raised three boys. And yeah, there were some wars. And every time I would, you know, bring peace to it and separate. And say, so, okay, what happened? Well, he did this, or used his other brother's name to do this. And for years I've been saying, okay, when I ask that question, I want you to start with this word, I. Here's what I did. I've been trying to, to teach them this, but it is so hard. Because in conflict, you're looking at the other person. Well, if he wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. God's word says more about this in Isaiah, about owning our sin and, and, and confessing. And he says it like this, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Repentant hearts, that's God's desire for us. When we're looking at our part and what we need to do 
is we need to have a heart of repentance that we bring the places we fall short in life, all of our sin, to God. It's not for God we're doing this. He already knows all of our sin. But what God is communicating here in his eye, this is a heart condition. You have to humble yourself in order to talk about the truth about you, of how you are not perfect and you make mistakes. And the word repentance means to turn. God wants to have us to have a heart that we're trying to turn from our sin, bringing our sin to him, confessing our sin to him, and then allowing him to do the work within our hearts to deliver us from that sin. That's God's desire. The second part is so important, I don't want you to miss it because this is your part, this is my part. We have to come to a place. We have the right heart and understand and acknowledge the truth about who we are. We are sinners and we need to confess that, admit that to God. And when that happens and we have a heart of repentance, now God can work within that person. Now God can revive, he can restore. I love the HGTVs shows about watching this in this 30 minute program, they will show you this broken down house. And in 30 minutes later, they do all this work and they make it new again. They make it beautiful. And that's what God does for us. He can see broken people and he can come in and he can come into our hearts and he can make us new again. That he can renew us spiritually. And I want to share if you're here and you're like, man, I, I know, but I'm still struggling with all the mistakes I've made in life. Just know that God's not going to love you any more or any less by what you do. But we have a story here. We asked Pastor Mark to come and share his story because he thought that way too at one point in his life. And so here's Pastor Mark sharing details about how God restored him. Well, when you talk about somebody feeling far from God, uh, I couldn't have felt any farther in my life. I grew up without having any kind of faith. And in fact, I was pretty oppositional to God. I wanted nothing to do with him, um, wanted nothing to do with, with any, any type of faith in Jesus. And um, really, I was, I was hiding a life of, of sin and addiction and things for a long, long time. Um, and it wasn't until my life was pretty much destroyed by my own selfishness that I finally became broken enough that God could reach in and, and touch my heart and, and offer some truth that what I needed wasn't more strength or willpower to overcome my brokenness, but what I needed was to be broken so that uh, God could come in and rebuild my heart. And that's really what he did. I came to the end of myself and I admitted how lost I was, how broken I was. And when I started to uh, really give my life over to him because I had nothing else, uh, God really did start to change me. He gave me a new heart and a new, a new life. And, and now I have new desires. I have uh, a new way of, of life that I never thought would be possible. Um, he took my, my spiritual brokenness, he took a, a dead soul like me and, and made me alive. What a powerful testimony of, of how God can bring life to somebody, how God can restore, regardless of the circumstances, because we all have circumstances. 
And we all come into this world far from God. But it's coming to know him. And so God offers us all this fresh start. And if you're here and you walked in these doors far from God, know that you matter to God because people matter to God. And his heart breaks for you. And he wants to renew you. And so we just got done looking at our part in this. And here's the last point. Point three, God himself does the real work of spiritual renewal. Our part is confessing, admitting the details about and the truth about and acknowledging who we are as sinners. But now we're going to look at God's part. And here's what I want to say. You can trust in God. Meaning, we can have conversations of saying, hey, trust me on this. But our trust with one another is based on our history. Have you been trustworthy with your words and your actions? But see, when we're dealing with God, God is perfect. God is the all-knowing, all-powerful God. So when God says, I'm going to do something, that is a promise that he is going to fulfill that. When we look back at scripture, we see that God came true on this promise of restoring, renewing the country and the nation of Israel. And as we look at our personal lives now, we can trust in God's faithfulness and his promises because he remains faithful in his promises. So we're going to look at six different times in this passage of Ezekiel where God plays a part. First, in verse 5, I will put breath in you. Verse 6, he says, I will put flesh and muscle on you. In verse 12, I will open your graves. 12, I will cause you to rise again. I will bring you back to the land. I will put my spirit in you. When we look at these promises from God, it's his part in renewing the nation of Israel that we see he doesn't say, hey, bones, connect yourselves, work harder, try harder to connect. Now, once you do that, put flesh on you. Well, the bones aren't even capable of doing that. And in the same way, there's times, like Mark said, there's willpower, and we feel like we gotta pull up our bootstraps, but see, that's not our role. In our own life, just like these bones had no power to connect themselves, put flesh on, but we try. We try to fix our own problems. And now we're playing God's role because only God can fix us. There are things about us like our heart condition that we cannot fix. Only God plays that role. He fixes the heart within us. And it's understanding these details. Again, we see in Ezekiel, it says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. It is God who is cleaning us. So often I hear this, man, I really got to get my act together. I got to get cleaned up before I go to church. No, that's not true. It's God who does the cleansing, God who does the washing. And he says, and you will no longer worship idols, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my re regulations. See, here we are in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, and this passage right here, talking about our heart, talking about how God is going to put a spirit in us, is pointing us to the gospel in the New Testament, the fulfillment of what Jesus does on the cross. But understand, we have a stubborn, stony heart when we are born into this world, a non-responsive heart. 
And what God says is, I am going to come in and I am going to give you a new heart, a tender heart, a heart that's teachable, a heart that can express humility, a heart can admit when they're wrong. And we see God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. See, God knows we're going to need help. This is all of God's part here. He knows we have a rotten heart, a stubborn heart. He fixes that. But he also knows that we're going to need help moving forward. You might say, well, that sounds great to be renewed, but how am I going to do this? I, I just feel like I'm going to fail. God knew that before you were even created. And he says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. That's communicating, again, the gospel message when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now we have God dwelling in us. How are you going to be able to deal with life? How are you going to be able to honor God in your life is through the help of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the words of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit. It's really trusting and looking to the Spirit's leading and guiding in our lives. That's the help that God knows that we need. That's what Israel needed. He knew they needed the Holy Spirit to what? Not worship false idols. He knew this, and he knows that for us, and he puts his spirit in us. This is God's work when we come to faith. It's pointing to the gospel. We're going to end with this, this last verse here. It says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Again, looking back to Ezekiel. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. If you're here and you felt far from God, I'm hoping that you understand that you matter to God because people matter to God. And I'm hoping that you say, yeah, I need this fresh start and I'm going to turn to you, God. I'm going to allow you to do this work. In all of this scripture of what you're communicating to me, God, I'm allow you to work in my heart. I'm going to allow you to work in my life. But know this, if you walked in these doors not in a relationship, not having that faith moment of saying, Jesus, I am going to put my faith and trust in you for the forgiveness of my sins. The Bible says, if you believe in what Jesus did on the cross, that he took the punishment that you deserve. Again, God did all this for us. In the same way God renews our heart, the pathway to salvation is just admitting you're a sinner and turning to God and acknowledging the truth about what Jesus did on the cross. Having the right information of Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment that you deserve, but he said, I love you too much. I'm gonna spare you. I'm going to take that pain. I am gonna be nailed to the cross. I am going to pay that debt, and he paid that debt in full. And the Bible says when you respond to that message by having the right information about who Jesus is with the right heart, saying, God, I'm tired of being on the throne of my life. I need you to be on the throne of my life, Lord. I'm making a mess of it, Lord. Lord, I need your love. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your gift of salvation. And you turn to Jesus and you say, I'm trusting in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sin. That's the moment right then and there that God's word says you're saved. Saved from the consequences of your sin. You're no longer separated from God, but you've been reconciled to God by what Jesus did on the cross. My hope is that you would make that response here today. If you are here and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, know that you can do this today.
We started the series in week one, and we ended with a prayer. So if you're wanting to make that response, this is a simple prayer. Again, God did all the work. All you have to admit is you're a sinner, sinner and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you just have to say something like this in your pray- prayer. Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I know that you died on the cross and rose from the dead so that I could have life. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you in faith. I trust in you alone to forgive my sin and give me new life. Thank you for this free gift. Amen. So I'm going to ask us to to bow our heads, and I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And if you are here, just repeat these words. Just where you're sitting right now, you can do it silently in your head, softly to yourself. But if you want to receive the gift of salvation from Jesus, repeat these words. Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm thankful for your love that you went to the cross and died for my sins. I'm trusting in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sins. I receive your gift of salvation, Jesus. Amen.